Welcome. Glad to see you here today on this Palm Sunday. Welcome uh, uh, to this beautiful day. And we welcome our guests especially. We're glad that you're here today. You're very important to us, and and we are glad that you are worshiping uh, with us this morning. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row, if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And especially if you would like to... Uh, receive our email newsletter, please be sure to put your email address on there and we'll get you on the list for that. It comes out every uh, Thursday and it's a good way to keep up with the activities and uh, opportunities here at Community Baptist Church. Also, go ahead and take your phones and check in here as uh, as being here on, on your smartphones. And uh, several announcements. I have a litany of announcements today. It's a busy time, so bear with me just a little bit. First of all, Thank you to our senior adult Sunday school class for a great breakfast this morning. I really appreciate that. It's wonderful, wonderful as always. So we are grateful for you. And as you know, we are beginning Holy Week today. Today is Palm Sunday, and uh, we we are celebrating that. And after church today, after the worship service today, our children are invited to stay uh, to have lunch together, and we'll be having some games and crafts and an Easter egg hunt immediately after church today. And so we invite our children uh, to stay for that. On, on Thursday, is Monday, Thursday, and so as we've been doing through the uh, season of Lent, we are uh, meeting with different churches or at different locations, and this this week on, on Monday, Thursday, we'll be meeting at Zion UCC uh, to celebrate Monday, Thursday at noon. We'll have about a half an hour worship service and then have lunch together, and on Good Friday, we'll be celebrating at Holy Name Catholic Church, also at noon with about a half an hour service. They usually go through the Stations of the Cross and uh, and then a lunch afterwards as well. And then Friday night, we will be hosting a Tenebrae service that evening. And some of you are going, what is a Tenebrae service? A Tenebrae, tenebrae means shadows or shade or darkness. And, and it's a very powerful service that reminds us of the crucifixion of Christ. So uh, we hope that you can come and be with us on Friday night at 7 o'clock for that. And then on Easter, next week is Easter Sunday morning. We'll begin bright and early with a sunrise service. Our community sunrise service will be at the, the prayer garden at the hospital. 6.30? At, at 6.30 uh, Sunday morning. And then come and be with, here, with us here uh, on Sunday morning as well. Speaking of Sunday morning, you may have noticed that the past week or two we've had a cross out there uh, by our sign, and that's we haven't had that before, and you may be thinking, what's that for? Uh, other than just being a cross, you may have noticed that it's got chicken wire around it. And what we want to do, this is something new to us, on Sunday morning, we'd like to invite everybody to bring some flowers and to stick it in that chicken wire uh, when you come into church. And so... By the time everything's over, the cross will be blooming. And it's a great reminder to us that even though uh, Jesus died on the cross on Friday... There's new life that comes from that, and it's resurrected on Sunday. And so uh, that's a representation of that. So bring your flowers on Sunday morning. If you forget, that's okay. We're going to have some here. And uh, But if, if you can, bring your flowers on Sunday morning. And then after church, I think John's going to go out there and uh, offer his services to, to take family pictures in front of the cross. So so thank you, John, for that. Today, um, we are uh, your deacons are going to be having a deacon's retreat. Uh, led by Ron Williams, Dr. Ron Williams, and we're looking forward to that. And Dr. Williams is going to be uh, preaching for us today as well. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce Ron uh, to you uh, so that uh, when it comes time for him to preach, he can just get up here and share with us today. Uh, Dr. Ron Williams is a retired professor of religious studies. He was was last teaching at Gardner-Webb University, and prior to that, uh, he was the assistant dean and the professor, uh, professor of New Testament at Boyce Bible School in Louisville. 
He earned a Bachelor of Arts in Religious Studies from Western Kentucky University and a Master of Divinity and a Ph.D. From New Test- in New Testament Interpretation uh, from Southern Seminary. He has served a number of churches in and around Kentucky as pastor and as interim pastor and has provided a lot of leadership in a, in a variety of roles in the life of uh, uh, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship here in Kentucky. Uh, he's married to Elaine Williams, and they reside in Owensboro, where they are members of the Third Baptist Church in Owensboro. But most importantly to me, I get to, to sit at Ron's feet about once a month and glean his wisdom uh, as we're a part of a peer learning group together. We meet each, uh, together each month to keep each other fresh and sane, and uh, and so I get to uh, the benefit of his wisdom during those times, and I am privileged to call Ron my friend, and uh, so so we're glad to have Ron with us today. We welcome him and look forward to the words that he has for us today. If you are able, let me invite you to stand now and let us uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord and share the love of Christ with one another. God, on this holy day of Palm Sunday and Passion Sunday, we come to you with mixed emotions because we remember your son's triumphal entrance into Jerusalem, so beautifully portrayed by our children this morning. We remember the people shouting praises and waving palm branches, singing with such exuberance that it seemed that the very rocks themselves would shout out with joy. And we join them with our own praises. And yet we also remember that this wonderful parade for your son will will soon become another kind of parade. 
a parade before officials and the booing crowds. And instead of people singing his praises, they are shouting to crucify him. And our hearts are broken by those shouts. Our hearts are broken by the pain and the suffering that he bore that day. And yet we know that it is because of his decision to enter Jerusalem and to take the path that he knew he was taking, that there's hope and grace and love and salvation for us all. And there are still so many people in our world who are in need of hope. There are still so many in our world in need of your grace. There are still so many in need of your love in our world. And there are still so many in need of your redemption. And so, Lord, we pray that you would enter our lives today. Enter our churches, our cities, our countries once again. Heal us, Lord. Transform us. Renew us. Draw us closer to you as we journey together through this holy week. And empower us with the strength and the courage and with the assurance that you are with us always, today and forever. Amen. Amen.
and you may be seated. And children, will you join us down front for our children's moment, please? Hello? Okay, here I am. Okay, this morning I want to talk about prayer. Who can tell me what prayer is? Sawyer? No? Anybody? Hunter? I can't hear you. Right, you worship in God. Um, prayer is communicating with God, right? So we need to speak with God like he's our best friend. It's hard to have a best friend if you never talk to him, right? Are they your best friend if you never ever talk to him? So prayer, what are some things that you can pray about? Okay. Your family, Wyatt. Food. Everett. What do you pray about? Your grandma. Okay, Sawyer. Your dog, Cutler. The Pledge of Allegiance. Okay. Kinley. What do you pray for? To be somewhere where I'm not here. No. Okay. Um, so prayer, we can ask for prayer in lots of ways. We can ask for help in all of those things. Um, we can ask God for guidance if we don't know what to do or what the right thing is. We can ask him to help us and protect our family. So today, I need two helpers. Come on. Come on. Everybody gets one packet and everybody gets one paper. Okay? They're all in the bag. One of you can do candy and one of you can do paper. Okay, so today we're going to do M&M prayers. Sounds kind of funny, right? Because it's candy. But the sheet of paper is going to tell you um, what each color stands for. And as you're eating your M&Ms, when your parents say it's okay, (laughs) um, each color represents something. So the green color, when you eat a green M&M, I want you to think of one thing that you're thankful for in God's creation. And I want you to pray to him and thank him for that. When you eat a yellow M&M, I want you to think about your favorite teacher, someone who teaches you something, and pray for them. Um, Next is orange, I think. Um, Orange, I want you to think about, hey, Everett, give me one of those pieces of paper. Um, Orange, I want you to think about the best thing about church. So it doesn't have to be the church as a whole. It can be your favorite person at church. It can be your pastor, your Sunday school teacher. I want you to pray about the thing that you like the best about church. When you eat a blue one, I want you to think about a leader. It could be the president. It could be someone in our community, a judge, someone who is the leader. It could be a principal. You want to pray for their strength, okay? When you eat a red one, I want you to think of someone who's sick. Anybody that you know who's sick, they could have a cold, they could be really sick, um, they could just need some extra prayers. I want you to pray for that person. And when you get to brown, I want you to think about asking God for guidance for what you can do in the community. Everyone needs to chip in and help, right? And sometimes we don't know how to do that. So if we ask God for guidance when we're eating our brown M&Ms, um, then maybe he'll help us know how our family family and ourselves can help in the community. If you guys will pray with me, then later you can hear your minutes. Dear God, please watch over these children of our church. Um, help guide them to be the best person or people that they can be as they are our future. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
pray together, please. Gracious and loving God, uh, it is good to be in your in this place and on this day. And uh, we humbly stand here today, Lord, confessing that we need you every moment of every day. Remind us once again that you have taught us is more blessed to give than to receive. Be with us as we worship this morning and challenge us to be greater instruments of your love and your grace. Help us as we seek to be your light and your voice in serving our community, our nation, and our world in need. We ask your blessing on every gift and every effort made. In these things we pray in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were selling and those who were buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sowed doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He was teaching and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And when the chief priest and the scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him, because the whole crowd was spellbound by his, by his teaching. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull, and they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and, and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from that cross. In the same way, the chief priest, along with the scribes, were also mocking him and among themselves. And they were saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from that cross now so that we may see and, we, and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a very loud voice, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? 
When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was God's son. This is the word of the Lord.
Wow, that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so very much for your music. They were practicing when I came in, and I was afraid I had gotten here late for the service. (laughs) Thank you so very much for sharing with us. It is a privilege to be here with you. Tim is a friend, and I have enjoyed our friendship over the last six or seven years since we moved back from North Carolina to Kentucky. We spent a long time in North Carolina, but Kentucky is our home. Uh, I went to school at Bremen High School. Anybody ever hear of Bremen High School? Uh, Can anything good come out of Bremen? Uh, Maybe. But uh, it's good to be back here with children and grandchildren close. They weren't going to move to North Carolina, so we had to move to where they, they are. Palm Sunday reminds us of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. If you've never been there, it's hard to imagine what that would have been like. I want to try to paint some word pictures today to help you visualize this. Jerusalem set on a hill. In fact, when the scriptures talk about going to Jerusalem, it's always going up to Jerusalem. Even though you are on the Mount of Olives, which is above Jerusalem, you're still going up to Jerusalem because of its, its place within their belief system and how beautiful it was. The Temple Mount in Jesus' day was absolutely gorgeous. King Herod, for all of his faults, had done some good things. Not if you hear the people of his day because he taxed his people so much they hated him. But what he built was absolutely glorious. The Temple Mount was expanded from what he found when he became king to cover about 30 acres. It was polished stone that when the sun shined, it glistened. At night, the lampstands that stood 70 feet tall inside the temple itself could be seen for miles and miles and miles away. It looked like a beautiful stone glistening in the light. As you climb the mountain, coming toward Jerusalem, you could see the the city in the distance. And as you got closer, you could see the temple in the distance. There was some excitement that came just as you approached the place. The first time I had the privilege of going to Jerusalem, we were climbing the mountain in a bus. And then the bus driver put a, put a song on the intercom system about Jerusalem. And we were in awe with the music around us as we watched the city approaching. It was glorious 2,000 years later. And you can imagine what it was in those days. But the roads were crowded because thousands of people were coming to Jerusalem for this fast Passover celebration. Many had dreamed for a lifetime of coming to that place. A pilgrimage. The Jewish version of the Hajj. They would dream of once in their life to be able to go there. So when Jesus approached Jerusalem, he was not alone. The streets were crowded. The roads were full. People were excited. Every now and then the crowd would stop just for a group in front to celebrate the occasion. And a few minutes later, they'd continue their trek toward Jerusalem. People heard of Jesus. And as he approached, they came with their palm branches. They began to sing hosannas. Here Jesus was riding on a donkey into the city of their dreams. What could get any better? It was glorious. The text tells us, and thank you for reading the text so beautifully. The text tells us that Jesus, upon entering Jerusalem, made his way into the temple. And then the text says, after looking around for a little while, he left. 
returned down the road that he had just traveled, across the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives and over the hill to Bethany, and there he spent the night. The text tells us that he saw something. He looked around, but what did he see? My mind has played with this in preparation for today, wondering what it was that touched Jesus' soul. Because the text also tells us the next morning, he left Bethany, repeated the trip across the Mount of Olives and across the Kidron Valley, and he saw an olive tree that had no olives on it. And it wasn't the season for olives. But to make a point to his disciples, he spoke and that tree died. He cursed the olive tree. Why? He went in on, on into the temple as he had done the day before. This time, John's Gospel said he made a cord of ropes and he began to flail with that cord He found the money changers. He overturned their tables and coins ran everywhere. He saw the cages of doves and pigeons and sheep. And he loosened the catches and he drove the animals out. And in anger, he spoke. Don't you know that my Father's house is to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. The leaders of the temple were so infuriated at what Jesus had done, they made plans to kill him. And in a few days, he was dead. What did he see that made him so upset? Have you ever seen anything that made you upset? Have you ever seen what happens to somebody else and it touch you so that you are determined to do something about it? Have you ever been touched by what is happening in someone else's life that you dared to get involved to change it? Jesus must have seen something. Would you allow your minds to wander with me and try to imagine what it was that Jesus saw? I want to tell two stories. Then I'm going to come back to the Jesus story. Would you allow me to do that? Would you stay with me? Up in a little town outside of Tiberias, a place called Amethyst, There may have been a guy who lived there named Jonathan. Jonathan ben Judah, they knew him by, the son of Judah. He was a meager, humble fisherman. We're pretending. He fished on the Sea of Galilee. He'd spent his life on the Sea of Galilee. He loved the Sea of Galilee, that beautiful lake of fresh water that is so beautiful to behold. He spent his life fishing there. He would catch little sardines. They were salted and sent all the way to Rome. He would catch what we now call St. Peter's fish. Remember the story of Peter when he wanted to pay the temple tax and Jesus told him to take a hook and cast it into the water and bring up a fish and you'll find in its mouth a coin? This guy, Jonathan, caught those. They had a big cavity in their mouths. They were called mouth breeder fish. When the male and female, when they had eggs, the male and female would take the eggs in their mouths and they would hold them there until they hatched and the the fish would swim around in their mouths until finally they were big enough to be let go. Their mouths were so large that even today when you catch one, it might have a bottle cap inside because it glistened in the water. 
that day it had a coin and Peter caught it and there was a coin to pay the temple tax. Jonathan caught those kinds of fish. He loved fishing, but fishing didn't make much money. He got by, but he was Jewish. And he dreamed of someday going to Jerusalem and worshiping at the temple. It was only a hundred miles away, but for him that was forever away. How could he go? He saved and he saved and he saved and he saved. Every now and then he'd have to reach into that savings bag and pull something out because of an emergency. But he would save again until finally he had what he thought would be enough to prepare for the trip, to have the the lamb that would be worthy to be offered, to provide for his family on this five or six day journey, to have the tent that they would need to live under when they got to Jerusalem, and to pay the temple tax when they got there. He saved until he thought he had everything he needed. He had groomed his lamb for this. A special lamb. He picked it from the herd because it had no blemish at all. And it would be the sacrifice when he got to the temple. They were so excited on the day that they began this hundred mile journey all the way to Jerusalem. Down the Jordan River and then up the mountain toward Jerusalem out of Jericho and up. They were so excited. He saw the crowds as they approached, because people were coming from everywhere. And as they climbed that 14 miles from Jericho up to Jerusalem, almost straight uphill, they were exhausted but excited all at the same time, because they were about to be at the place they dreamed of going. As they topped the Mount of Olives and looked over and saw the temple, they just stood there. They were in awe. There's a legend that says King Alexander the Great traveled to that Mount of Olives and stood and looked over to the temple that was there even before Herod had renovated it. And he was so impressed that he begged for permission to go in. Jonathan was there. And so excited. We are here. They made their way into town, across the Kidron Valley, and then around the temple, and found a place where they could build their tent and stay for the week. They found the food that they needed and made preparation to go into the temple. It's huge. Absolutely huge. Thousands of people had come. The population of Jerusalem had swollen by manyfold because of the people like Jonathan who wanted to be there. You need to understand, you know, Owensboro has the barbecue festival. What do you have in Henderson that draws? Pardon? Happy Fest? Handy. 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 WC. WC Handy. Oh, Handy Fest. Okay. You have the things that draw people in and you hope that it really helps your economy, right? We do in Owensboro. We used to live in Louisville and we'd have the Kentucky Derby and we would see to it that we were out of town because it was so crazy. We lived in Madison, Indiana. We had the regatta. We depended upon these things because of the money it brought in. Well, you can imagine in Jerusalem, the main economic factor to produce a boom in Jerusalem was the temple. And people coming from hundreds and thousands of miles away just to be there. They would buy their animals sometimes. They would buy food. They would rent places to stay. People would have homes and they, it was the first Airbnb. They would rent them. It was a boon for the economy. And as Jonathan approached that morning, the the shops were filled with people selling everything imaginable. But when they climbed the steps into the temple, they were overwhelmed with the crowds. 
of people. Shoulder to shoulder. Those markets that were out on the streets were also on the Temple Mount. They should not have been there. But business was so good, they were selling everywhere. The place that was reserved for the Gentiles was made up of marketplaces. He walked past those because he had his lamb. He didn't need those things. But so disappointed when he got to the gate of the temple and was welcomed by the priest whose job it was to examine the offering. Jonathan presented proudly his lamb that he had groomed for this occasion. And the priest looked it over and he says, I'm sorry, but it has a bruise. And it's not acceptable. Oh, Jonathan was deflated. Well, what do I do? He said, you go back to the market. And you buy a lamb that is not bruised. And you bring that lamb and offer it. But how do I do that? I don't have any more money. He went to the market. Instead of a lamb, he bought a pigeon. Because he had no money for a lamb. He took it back and the priest accepted it. And the priest said, now, pay your tax. He reached into his pocket and brought out the money that he had saved for his tax. And the priest says, it's not acceptable. Why is it not acceptable? And the priest says, you see on the coin, it's got the features of Herod Agrippa. His face is there. That's not acceptable in the Jewish temple. What do I do? You go and exchange it for money that you can use to pay your tax. He rushed to the market and found the money changers. And he says, here, let me exchange this for money I can use to pay my tax. And they told him how much it would cost to make the exchange. You ever been overseas to need money? And it costs you an exchange rate? You can imagine the exchange rate in Jerusalem. How will we eat if I pay my tax? Dejected. Jonathan stood there wanting to worship and was caught in the trap of business. Maybe Jesus saw that. Let me tell you another story. Sasha was an aide to the Queen Candace of Ethiopia. I'm going to call him Sasha. This man did exist according to Acts because we see a story about the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. I've just given him a name. He lived in Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia. He was not Jewish. He had learned about the Jewish God by guests who would come through. And he liked what he heard. And began to be a believer in the God who created the world and the God who was bigger than all the other gods that he even knew. He was so excited. And one day he says, I want to go to that temple in Jerusalem. And I want to worship there. I know I cannot get in the temple. I'm Gentile. But I want to go to where a Gentile can pray. And I want to pray to this God that I have grown to love. It was no difficulty for him to make the trip because he worked for the queen. He had a chariot that was available to him and servants who would go. They would stay in the finest hotels along this 40-day trip. They had plenty of food. He didn't have to lift a finger. 
But he shared the excitement of Jonathan as he approached because he saw the crowds and he saw the temple from a distance and really wanted to be there, so excited to go and pray. As he approached, he saw the crowds. He saw the entourage with the person riding on the donkey and the palm leaves. He shared their excitement. When he got to the temple, he had the same joy of seeing the glistening stones and the beauty of the place, and the crowds just impressed him so. Nothing like this in Addis Ababa, he said to himself. He went into the temple. He saw the crowds. He saw the merchants. The merchants didn't bother him. He didn't have to replace his lamb. What he, he could afford the best. Why, he might even offer a cow. But what did disturb him was that he could find no place to pray. You see, the temple is divided. There's a place for the high priest. And there's a place for the working priests. There's a place for the Jewish men. There's a place for the Jewish women. And then behind a fence, away from the temple, a place now covered with a bazaar, is the place marked for Gentiles. With a warning, you can go beyond this and you face death. That's where he would have to pray. But there was no place to pray. The merchants had filled it up. He longed to bow his knees in adoration to the living God. But he found no place to put his knees. Maybe Jesus saw that. Jesus went into the temple, looked around, and I imagine he was grieved with what he saw. There were Jonathans all over the place whose spirits were broken because of the enterprise called the temple. The religion of that day was more business than religion. And he couldn't worship. He couldn't afford to. He looked and he saw in the midst of the crowd a man trying to get to his knees. He was well dressed. He had servants around him trying to part the crowd. But a man frustrated a Gentile for he wanted to pray to the God of Abraham and he couldn't find a place to put his knees. Jesus saw it. Went to Bethany. Imagined what he could do. The next day, in his anger, he saw the fig tree, by the way, which is a symbol of the whole system of religion in Judaism. He saw the fig tree and he cursed it like he was going to do in the temple. He went into the temple, he saw the money changers, and this time he says, I will do something about this. He overturned the money changers, and money went everywhere. He opened the doors of the cages, and birds flew, and animals ran. And he yelled those words from Isaiah, Don't you know that my Father's house will be a house of prayer for all nations, including the Gentiles? But you have made it a place where thieves live. And then they killed him. Any wonder? Jesus disturbed a system. I call this sermon a deacon at work. And you wonder, where in the world did that come from? Did you know Jesus was deaking? You see, the word deacon is servant, minister, long before it's a word of a title. Jesus is called a deacon by the Apostle Paul. And Jesus is deking because He runs interference. He stands in the gap for hurting people. Frustrated people. He stands in the gap. He dies on the cross because of it. 
And he calls on us, if we are to follow, to take up our cross and follow him. To look for people who are victims of our systems and go to help. Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this. He tells the story. The sheep and the goats will be separated, one on the right, one on the left. And this is the criteria that he will use in deciding that. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was lonely and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to where I was. That's the work of the deacon. But that's not the work for those who have the title. That's the work for every one of us. If we are to follow Jesus, we take up our cross. That place that we earn because we're willing to stand in the gap and jeopardize who we are and what we have to help people. I would imagine if we had a chance, you would tell your stories of what you're doing. Don't let anybody ever tell the story that you stopped. May God bless us. And may God help us to be like Jesus. To see clearly what is happening to people. And to care so much that we will stand in the gap for them. Amen. What a blessing. Thank you, Ron. Um, and a message that is so fitting, I think, for, for our congregation. Because uh, I was telling Ron just a little while ago, and I tell you all the time, I'm so proud of this congregation get, that gets it, that understands what we are to be about, and that is to follow the ways of Christ, to, uh, to be a servant as Christ was a servant. And um, and that's why our mission statement is to be the presence of Christ and to serve a world in need. Um, so thank you for for presenting that message that uh, that holds up our mission as a church. We're grateful for that. Today is Palm Sunday, and on Palm Sunday. Uh, the, the people waved their palms and they sang hallelujah, blessed is, is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what a wonderful name that was, the name of Christ, the ultimate deacon, the ultimate servant. He came to serve this world, to make his house a house of prayer for all nations. And I think that's what we try to do here as well. Let us stand and let us sing our closing hymn. Let us lift up the ultimate name, the name beyond all names. His name is wonderful.
Thank you, God, for this time of worship and praise. But now it is time that we lay down our palm branches, and with them we lay down our belief that there is any other way for you to be God. As the last echo of the final hallelujah fades, so does our hope that this journey can end in any other way. The week stretches ahead of us. The glory is over, and now there is pain. And so we journey with you towards the cross, knowing that it is both the most human and the most divine of all journeys. But we travel that road with courage and with love and with faith, because we travel with you. So lead us, O God, to your cross and to our own. Amen. Amen.